Hey guys, it's Jeremy Cook and Pat Regan. And just so you know, we're going to say this is the creativity podcast, but it's actually create slash invent podcast because we changed, changed the name and we'd, we had recorded this beforehand. So enjoy the show. Fantastic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Creativity Podcast. I'm Pat Regan. I'm here with my uh, lovely co-host, Jeremy Cook. And today we're interviewing my friend, Alex. Alex is an audio engineer type person. And uh, he didn't tell me if I'm allowed to tell everybody that he works for Bose. But he works for Bose. And I've been helping him the last few weeks work on these uh, SodaStream adapter doodads. But I, we're going to get to that later. But... For now, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Pat, and uh, it's good to see you too on the podcast here. Um, it's my first time on a podcast, so cool. this is uh, new and exciting for me. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's going to be great. You know, you you working with audio and stuff, and you know, when we get into it, you can maybe tell us how we could improve our, our home audio s- studio. You know, whether that's for Zoom meetings, whether it's for podcasts like ours, or or, or whatever else. Um, now, you have some expertise in actual video, right? Like green, green screens and stuff, too? Absolutely. Yeah, The my my latest big project was actually for Bose at Bose, Bose headquarters in Massachusetts. And we set up an entire, uh, it was about $40,000 setup for a giant green screen, two camera angles, and a bunch of, bunch of other really fun stuff there. Okay. So, yeah, I've, I've set up a couple studios for, for larger corporations. Um and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. We'll, we'll ask you about that too after, you know, after we get to the studio stuff. But but first, like what, uh, so you live near, near Pat, I guess, and in Plano, Texas, correct? Yep. I live in the, the Dallas area, Dallas area. Near, near Pat. Okay. Yeah. Very, very cool. And, um, and I, I guess Bose, Bose is in, I guess what, Boston area. Is it framing? It's not Boston. It's, uh, Framingham. Framingham. Okay. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but Bose is actually owned by MIT um, forever. So it's it's a really cool relationship for, for kind of the forward thinking of engineering and stuff like that. So <laughs> they're out of uh, Massachusetts, but um, I was able to be a 100% remote employee. So, okay, yeah. that's great. And are you from Texas originally? Or are you, uh, you migrated there from somewhere else? I am from up north, the northern Midwest Michigan oh, okay. area. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be down here in the in the nice warm temps. I'm sure, at least right now. I'm sure during the summer it's pretty yeah. nice, pretty nice in Michigan. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Actually, actually, I've you know I've been there one. I've been there one time for a job interview, and it didn't end up working for them. But it was pretty nice during the summer. I, I think they probably interview people during the summer, so they'll come work for for them. <laughs> I'd I'd say that's a, that'd be a great tactic. I think uh, the town I'm from was was uh, voted number one tourist destination in the U.S. for summer. So really, I I definitely think it's nice and pretty there. But um, you can't beat 75 degrees summer or, or Christmases here. It's uh it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Versus two feet of snow back there is oh well a little dangerous. Well, you live there. Do you have a do you have any? My notes say you have some dogs. Is that is that right? Or a dog? Um, yeah. So here I have one dog, I have one cat, and I have a snake. So um, I've always wanted a snake since I was a little kid. And as soon as I got my house, I said, "Let's uh, let's do it." So I have a dog named Ella, and she's a uh, pit bull Chihuahua mix. Um, 
<laughs> I have a uh, gray tabby named Shadow, and then the snake is a corn snake named Dorito Burrito. Okay, yeah, corn snakes are nice, yeah. nice snakes. I think I think I had one yeah. of those when I was little. You know, like just caught it, or, so, or maybe my dad did. I don't really know. If you catch it yourself, how do you know what kind of snake it is? Well, if you catch it in the corn, it's it's a corn snake. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Jeremy has that. He, yes, that's how it works. Jeremy, he, uh, Alex is always trying to get me to feed the snake. He has these little mice that you give it, you and know, I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that, I don't think. That, that was the most fun part about getting a snake was I, I didn't realize feeding it would be a reenactment of Jurassic Park every week. So, um it's it's a little intense uh but really fun and now that he's a lot bigger it's even more fun because he's much more uh you know it's not a little worm going after a mouse it's like a it's an event and so um yeah uh i don't mean to offend any uh PETA folks here but it is an absolute entertainment to watch so, so you feed him once a week or him is it, is it a her is it a she snake uh, I would call it a they right now, um, and that's just because we have not sexed the snake. So when they get old enough, you can bring them to a reptorium, reptarium, something like that, um, and they will <laughs> they will figure out. Let's just say how uh, what gender they are, um, and then you can uh, assign their name i guess so we don't know if it's dorito burrito or dorita burrita right now uh, yeah, but, good, good, yeah. good point it's one of the two <laughs> yeah um yeah but it's a it's been a really fun journey learning about snakes and some friends love it you know they come over and that's all they want to see and and other friends this guy over here pat is uh is, yeah not so not so fond of it so yeah. it's, you say over there now, now you guys you guys are in different Buildings, correct? But you're you're like three miles away, but you've decided not to make the trip, not to commute. What was that too much tra- too much traffic there in, in Plano? Well, it's actually uh, this might be an awesome segue into the studio stuff because yeah. if I was in Pat's studio, you probably wouldn't be able to get me and Pat in the same shot with all the audio stuff figured out. So that's a that's a really cool. Um, part about doing this type of stuff is audio considerations for two people is much more complicated than just one person okay yeah Yeah. what would we have to do talk into one big microphone like one of those uh blue yetis that has the omnidirectional type of deal or you could i guess you could do whatever you want you know honestly i've i've only (laughs) i've only recorded one time with with somebody live it was with uh the physics anonymous guys that we actually we had on two weeks ago, oh, Pat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the first two time weeks. I actually went over, what's that? Two months, Jeremy. Two, two months. Who knows? Two months, two weeks. It's all, <laughs> it's all the same, I guess. Um, but yeah, I actually went over there and they, they had a pretty, pretty uh, awesome house. They, uh, they had like a rock wall up. It was, it was pretty, That's awesome. it was pretty cool. Now, you know, if we're going to be talking about audio stuff, I want to address something before we go too far. Why does Alex sound so much worse than Jeremy and I today? If he's such a fancy audio guy. I mean, I know the answer. I'm just asking, I just want to make sure our audience understands that there's a technical reason. I actually want to answer this because every time it's tradition that every time we have somebody over on that's you know, a musical guest, somebody that knows about audio, et cetera, et cetera, they, generally we have problems with the feed. And that's just, 
So it's just tradition, I think. I, I think tradition is definitely the reason. I think, uh, you know, it's it just comes from a long line of people before me that have, you know, uh, had issues, Jinx, yeah. and I'm no different, you know. But so. but you do have, I see, you know, Pat and I both have the just, you know, just headsets on, but you have an actual, looks like a Bose headset with a um, with a microphone kind of jimmied onto that. Is that is that a custom job you got there? That's correct. So this is actually the uh, the newer Bose uh, noise canceling headphones, and then this is a microphone from the um, gaming headset that, that I'm wearing. That Pat actually has as well. Um, the difference in audio quality comes strictly down to the application of the microphone. So you guys both have really nice microphones that are actual large uh, capsule condenser or dynamic microphones that are sitting in front of you um, and uh, due to my you know amazing preparedness um, I don't have one of those <laughs> with me and um, this microphone the application of it is strictly for vocal clarity hmm. right so it's it's going to take out a lot of the bass take out a lot of the high treble and do a little noise reduction from the the front to the back of the microphone where you, your guys's microphones um you could actually record a whole song on them right like you you could record a guitar you could record vocals drums whatever you'd like and those are made to capture the entire uh, uh audio spectrum and aren't uh, is application driven so basically what this boils down to is that this microphone is for voice you can understand me yeah, loud and Box clear. Boxes checked. It's very, you're very legible. That's 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 all it's meant to do. Um, it, this, I would not record a guitar or a song with this microphone. I, Alex, I mostly just wanted to make sure that choice. everybody who was listening understood, and didn't say why on earth would we listen to audio advice from a guy that sounds like this guy. <laughs> so, Ooh, oh, do it. see, <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, sounds fine. Actually, that's probably the first time I've recorded me playing that uh, ukulele, period. First time so, ever. You, you know, heard it here first. Heard it here first. There we go. Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess I guess that being said, so, you know, you being an audio engineer, you you probably have some advice for us. I mean, you know, first of all, you know, what's, what's more important? Is it the microphone you have or is it the surroundings of your, your studio? What that makes the big difference? So... Um, with audio specifically, and this is much different than, uh, you know, video systems, right? So when we're talking about doing a conferencing or a recording setup like we're doing here, um, it it's all of it, it all comes down to the rule of diminishing returns, right? So um, it's like if you buy a let's say a, a Fender Telecaster, but you buy the Squire version, which is the cheaper version right um if you're a great guitar player nobody may notice that you're playing that specific guitar uh but if you're a crappy guitar player then it doesn't matter if you have a square or a telecaster classic it's not it's not going to work that really comes down to your room so you, if you can imagine your room is kind of the the uh point of diminishing returns so you can spend money on a microphone like this or a microphone like you guys have and you will notice a big difference but then how do you get further into 
the better category? How do we actually refine that to to make it sound better, less echoey, more full, something like that? Um, do, do you think that's the room? Do you think the microphone is the first thing somebody should pick up if they're looking to improve their microphone quality, or is it the room? Yeah. So if if I were to make a list for for people to pick up, I would start with a nice USB microphone. And that wasn't always the case. It used to be USB microphones did not sound as good as standard XLR, more professional connection microphones, but they are right up there with the pack now. So I would say first would be a nice microphone. Um, your phone or your laptop are have good enough cameras to get your message across. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it'd be a nicer camera um, would be the, the next step because video, you can spend a lot more money and get a lot more results than you can with audio. And what I mean by that is if you get a nice microphone, let's say a $200 microphone, or you buy a $1,200 microphone, the audience won't really hear the difference there. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I think, you, you know, I, listening to just you and everybody else, like, it seems to me like once you tune, tune into something, as long as the person is, is consistent, you know, the... the the quality can be kind of bad. I mean, your your quality is not bad, but I I think if you were to switch to really great quality for two minutes and then back to, you know, okay quality for a while, I think that, I think that would be more off putting than, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I've seen that before. Yeah. And I've heard people say that you're more likely to tune out of a YouTube video if it sounds bad than if it looks bad. You know, you're not going to listen to somebody talk with horrible, horrible audio for three minutes. Absolutely, and and this is a, actually a great showcase in audio, right? Um, you have comparison between me and you two. And so if, they're, if we were all using the same type of microphone, it would be hard for us to say, well, this is this type of microphone and this is this type of microphone, so there's no real example. So this is actually great to, to show, you know, the first step that you may take if you want to be a streamer or do content creation is a nice yeah, so microphone. you essentially there alex have a gaming headset is what you're talking yeah yeah let's why don't, why don't we go through alex why don't you talk and you say what, what kind of just say what kind of microphone you have just kind of give a sample of what you have would that be cool for the audience yeah yeah absolutely so um what i have right here is the bose gaming headset microphone which is great for just vocals but what i use uh typically if i'm going to be on a um you know a a conference call or talking with a customer or something like that is um, they call it the mod mic and it's a microphone that actually can go on any headset it's a little magnet that clicks clicks onto it and it sounds almost identical to what you guys are using the only problem with it is it's not usb out of the box so there's more things in the audio chain to to worry about and then then pat what kind of microphone do you have mine is a a deity d4 shotgun mic a mini shotgun mic about this big and i got this actually sitting on yours is actually sitting on the 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 monitor facing you from no it's on a it's on a uh, an ikea lamp arm with the lamp taken off right about okay. here. Well, I'm probably, you might not be able to hear me if I put my hand in front of it there. Sure. But, but it's a I, couple of feet away from you. It's about correct? this far from my face, right? Which now. is about a, about a foot from what I can. Yeah. From okay, what I can I'll say tell. that's about a foot. And okay. I got this because I borrowed a camera slider from Alex and he had the road version of this mic in there and I plugged it in and I was, 
This eliminated all the noises from my PC fan. I don't know if we're quiet, if you can't hear. Well, we'll probably edit them out anyway if they were in there, but most of my ambient noise is gone because of the shotgun mic. And roughly how much do you spend for that mic, Pat? 40 bucks, I think. 40 bucks. And okay. you have to have something to plug that into, a sound card. I have it plugged into another microphone, a Zoom microphone, okay. just because it was already there. And, and my mic, just, just for completeness, I use a Samson Meteor mic, I believe it is. And it's about maybe maybe a little closer than Pat says to his, maybe maybe eight inches or so. And it's right in front of my, my face. I've got a, a pop filter, so you can't, hopefully you can't hear that too too well, but we'll see. I have not heard any pops, Jeremy. Okay, good. So yeah, I guess that's, you know, mine was about a about hundred bucks. So, you know, just kind of, I just kind of wanted to kind of throw that out there for you know, is yours a USB mic? Mine is a USB mic. And yours is not, correct, Mine is Pat? Not. Yours is a, adapted. And then Alex, yours is yours is a USB mic, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So the gaming headset comes with this uh, puck thing. Um, and so your headset plugs in here, and that delivers audio to your ears and then microphone back. And then this side goes USB into your computer. Um, and the overall cost... Uh, if, if you look at the gaming headset versus the other headset, it's a $30 difference to get the puck in the mic. And so if you can imagine $30 minus whatever the profit margin is, this is probably $10, $15 in microphone technology. So there's, there's, there's a, there's a big gap between, as you're saying, 10, 15 bucks or $30 to the consumer to, you know, a hundred dollars or more. Right. Um, and we're hearing that. But but yeah. that thousand dollar, you know, spending a thousand dollars on a mic might not be the right way to go after that. Right. Absolutely. So you might, you yeah, might want to look at your room it, itself. Is is that I, I, putting words in your mouth, but I, I feel like that's maybe where you're going to go with this. Yeah. I would say start with a microphone. If I were to recommend any microphones right off the bat, um, blue, make some really good stuff. They make a snowball, they make a Yeti. Um, and then my current favorite, um, which I don't own, but I'd love to get uh, get my hands on one, is the um, Elgato Wave, I believe is what it's called. Um, and that's just a wonderful product. Comes with a stand and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, once you, once you get that USB microphone set up, you'll notice, like, just like Patches said, Oh no, and now I'm hearing the room. So when I speak, you can hear it, but now I'm hearing an echo of things around me or I'm hearing, you know, a fan or my HVAC system or all of these different things that um are different than what you'd hear on the radio, right? Which is just a nice full broadcast voice. So the next thing to do is not to buy a nicer uh, microphone, but to make your room sound better. And what I mean by your room sound better is to treat your room. It's basically what's what what causes bad bad sound quality is the combination of uh, direct audio and then what we call uh, early reflections or the first reflection. So when I say something, the, the the microphone will hear it. It then bounces off the wall and comes back to the microphone, and that's that's. A lot of people can't place it. They they can't say this is why it sounds bad. That's the reason right there. Um, and so if you can stop those early reflections, 
you can increase the quality of your sound uh, quite dramatically. And so we can see Pat actually has some some uh, gear in his background set up to do just that. I do. Someone was nice enough to bring me some sound panels. I, I wondered about this because Pat's room, I've, I've seen it set up. He's got, you know, he's got several... Um square sound panels set up but it's not like he's it's not like he's covered the whole room it's not like it's a anechoic chamber i guess that'd be the right the right term correct yeah um yes it's yes. uh it's basically taking out some of the reflections but not not much i mean i mean ide- ideally would he just have everything covered in sound deadening material or, or is that not is that not good either well um ideally if you just wanted your voice and nothing else you know um Yes, you would be in an anechoic chamber, but it really comes down to application, right? Are you making a $200 million blockbuster? Then, yes, we probably want to spend the money to to get everything out so I can put in music and sound effects and all this stuff, right? But Or am I on a podcast enjoying this with my friends, but I want it to sound like those nicer YouTubers. I don't want it to sound like me. I want it to sound like they sound um, because it's please more pleasing to the ear then what you really need to focus on is if I talk and you can imagine it's like a, a cone coming from my mouth and it hits things and then hits other walls and then comes back to my microphone how do I stop that from happening so what Pat has done is he has some sound panels directly behind his monitor and then directly behind him you can see uh, on his right shoulder, there's, yep, there's a triple stack and then some on the other side. And then he has a couple more around the side of the room and they're at head level. And basically what that means is when he talks, it is diffused into those panels and doesn't bounce back to the microphone. And thus it sounds like he's in what we would call a dry room or it has a drier sound. Um, dry and wet are typically used for like when you talk about reverb if you were to walk into a church and clap your hands you'd go and on a uh, reverb effects box if you turn it all the way to wet you hear the kind of a thing so it comes from the the audio engineering uh folks but um a drier sound is what most people are after uh in a home space alex i've I've watched a lot of content about this sort of stuff, and I've heard several people say that if you go too dry, it sounds weird, and professionals that make a recording that's too dry end up having to add back ambient feel, I guess, into the audio to make it to make it not feel so, I don't know, and sterile, so sterile. Yeah, yeah. So, so this actually is a really fun. Uh, kind of traversal between industries, right? So when you look at the film industry and then you look at how accessible film tools are now, I mean, look at what we're doing, our, our the quality of our cameras, the background, the audio. We're now at a point where 20 years ago, you'd go, whoa, kind of a thing, right? So if we have access to the same tools that audio engineers did, 20 years ago what lessons can we learn from you know the mistakes they made and what they're doing now and one of those things is um, if you were to take a recording of yourself talk pause and talk again and you were to actually delete all of the waveform between your words you would hear your voice and the sound of the room and then it would be dead silent 
and then you'd hear voice in the sound of the room again and it'd be really jarring right so in the film industry what they actually do is you wait five seconds at the beginning of the take you roll sound roll picture capture the sound of the room and then come back and what that allows the editor to do is if they need to add a pause between people talking they have a recording of the silence so it sounds like like we would hear right I mean imagine if I were talking to you Jeremy and when I stopped talking you didn't hear the room around you you just heard dead it'd be very weird right so what Pat's talking about there is if you make a, a space that's too dry then when you stop talking the silence is almost eerie mm. it's this it just is it doesn't feel cinematic or familiar or normal at all interesting so so yeah so so basically you want to treat your room somewhat so that there's less echo but you still want a little bit of a little bit of uh whatever echo character, little char- we'll character. Say. yeah something so y- yep. you want to you want to treat it but you don't want to i mean i guess over if you over treat it i guess you just tear it down but. i have a feeling that we with our budgets we could not over treat a room jeremy would be probably my not but I think this follows kind of the 80-20 rule, right? Where we could spend 20% of the money and effort and get 80% of the results, which was what I felt sure. like we got when you brought the first 12 panels over here a couple of months ago. And can yeah. you talk about those panels a little bit? Because Pat was saying that these panels, they're they're kind of a triangular type thing, like, you know, kind of like what I have up here, you know, some uh, whatever, not exactly like that. But Mine are not thicker just the... than what you have, Jeremy. Oh, they're thicker. At yeah, the minor. Thin, about... You know, between those between those peaks, that thin part, like not the tall yeah. part where you're feeling, but 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 between the triangles, yeah, right there. Mine are all way thicker than that at their thinnest. I thought that. Okay. I mean, I don't know if that really matters. Well, this is just something I, you know, not really knowing much about. I got off of Amazon, but Alex, I believe I believe what it is is these. These take out the higher frequencies, and then he has something on the back to take out the low frequencies. It's kind of like a dual layer sound. Exactly. So, Alex, before you answer, can go, I go say it, something? Alex accidentally yeah. built me out of cheaper parts the almost exact equivalent of the new Elgato Wave panels that everybody's so excited about on YouTube. Hmm. Well. And. Yeah, so so how does audio treatment work? Um, you have reflection, diffusion, and absorption, right? So reflection means sound comes out a wall and it bounces mm-hmm. right off, right? If you have a flat wall, um, that'll that'll happen and you'll get an echoey room. Um, absorption would be the sound goes into something and no longer exists it's its energy gets trapped in that medium and then diffusion would mean it comes at something and maybe it's like a curved surface right and it hits that curved surface and then is scattered from that right so we have three different ways to uh affect uh sound just kind of like you would do with light but but it's a a bit different of a medium so so what we really need to make sure is um when you listen to audio there's going to be a certain set of frequencies that drive you nuts. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I love is it. Is that thing, so what I've got, what I'm showing here is a um, bunch of triangles arranged on a board. Is, is this doing a good good job of diffusion? Or is, am I just wasting my time here? And it looks it looks pretty though, so. it It is an art piece and it's a very um, effective audio treatment piece as well. All right. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good job right there. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, 
so what we have to understand is audio is comprised of many frequencies right and those frequencies have different lengths so a wavelength of me talking maybe around two to three thousand um, hertz or we'd call it one or two k for kilohertz mm -hmm. so that wavelength right is the thing that we're trying to change and you can think of one kilohertz as one foot of a wavelength right so my speech is up up and kind of like this range three, right three or maybe four a little inches. bit wider yeah and so you can affect a sound wave by having at least a quarter length of that wave in material right so that's where you start to if we want to attack a specific spectrum that's where we start to look at how we'd want to treat the room hmm. So uh, these panels that you guys are talking about on Amazon, they do a really good job at maybe the 4 to 6K, so stuff that's really, really small, because they can envelop that entire wave when it hits and it gets absorbed or, or um, uh, stops the reflection there. But when we're talking about our speech, right, that's a little bit longer. So what can we do without breaking the bank right, um, to help our voices sound better and stop those reflections. What you can do is you can make the audio um, energy or sound energy pass through different um, densities of material. And so when you do that, it's going through one density of material, then going through another, then reflecting, then has to repeat that back. And so that's what we did with Pat. Um, we bought the, uh, the foam... Um, pads and then on the back you can buy a little i think it was half inch you might have bought pad. half inch but the ones i bought were 0.4 inch felt thick or 0. Felt. 0.4 inch um and they're these just really uh dense pieces of uh i hang don't on, know fiberglass, hang on. don't talk yet i'm gonna pull one down off the wall over here so that oh no it'll be okay here it'll be go. okay i just don't want to miss anything and the resulting thing was that we got 12 one square foot pieces for $50. I'm knocking everything over. Alright, Pat. What what do these things look like? They're uh, mushroom shaped on this side is what Amazon told me this is called. Yep. And on the back this is, they called it felt. It's very stiff. I mean, I'm trying to bend that. Alright, so this, this sound panel that Pat's showing us has uh, mushroom shaped um, uh, nine mushroom shaped uh, kind of bumps, you could say, um, on top of a half inch of foam, and then behind that is 0.4 inches of a felt yep. and type it's pretty material. Dense. So it's hard. you can I imagine. I mean, I can break this. I, you know, I can break this, but I'm putting quite a bit of force into it to just get a that much of a bend. It's rigid. And so, so for 50 bucks, we could do basically 12 square feet of yep. wall space. And if you wanted to up that to a hundred bucks, you could do, you know, uh, now, twenty-four. Square I bumped feet. mine to and twenty-four, not because when you put the twelve in, it was night and day difference in my audio, but the layout was dumb. It looked stupid behind me, so I got twice as many yeah. just to yeah. put it in a pattern. And and that's where you know our home studio folks are going to be uh, battling aesthetics and budget, typically. Um, and so if you can imagine the journey of that audio wave, right, it's coming out of your mouth, it hits the microphone, then 
without audio treatment. It's going to bounce off the wall and come back and create what we would consider bad audio quality or, or room noise. But if you have that up there, you can imagine it's coming from your mouth, hitting the microphone, then it's passing through a layer of foam, then through a layer of felt, then hitting the wall, then has to pass through the felt and the foam again. And at that point, it's been absorbed pretty substantially. Um, so if you want to spend more, you can create thicker treatment. Right, so in my, uh, I'm I'm in my garage right now, but in my um, home studio, um, where my office is, typically um, the the treatment I've used is called Roxol, and I use two inches of Roxol, and it's a mineral wool. Hey oh, Shadow. Oh, hello. <laughs> this is uh, Shadow. It's, is my that cat. the is that the Elgato and, uh, treatment? Um. No, it is not the Elgato treatment. It's a nope, custom but that's built, an Elgato um, on your lap setup. there. <laughs> oh, this is Elgato. Yeah, absolutely. This is Elgato right here. Absolutely. Cat um, just, just walked in the uh, screen gonna... for you guys that are listening. Absolutely. This, nice she's uh, Alex, in I'm in the process of building one uh, Roxol panel right now. But we can't... If we air this before Christmas, my our Christmas present to Brian is going to be ruined. Let me get my... You probably can't see this too good, so I'm going to do this. This is part of it. Oh, I love it. I love nice. it. We're making it... It's, That's awesome. It's, it's a 30-by-30-inch uh, 30 30 panel for, is that, with is that a Brian Moses face on it. Face thing? Brian Moses' face. Nice. Yeah, for those for those listening, Brian Moses is. Uh, uh, has he been no. on the podcast before? Uh, we yeah, should yes, correct he's that been on someday. the podcast. No, he's a. F he may have been on the podcast before, and he is a, a good friend of Pat and I's. And Pat and I's, yes. And he um, uh, has a logo that's his face, and so Pat just held up a like thirty by thirty inch version of that logo that he made on a CNC. It's pretty. He helped us large. host the first time we did the uh, the live stream. Oh yeah, the time I remember that. You're right. He was on know, a live maybe, stream. Maybe that no. doesn't count. I don't know. So, you know, it's kind of I I, re, I remember Brian, so I appreciate I appreciate that. But but back to what I was saying about with with the audio stuff, if you if you really want to make your space, you know, uh, the best of the best, basically you start to increase the depth of your treatment. And that will increase in both cost and p take up space. So you'll start to see that, um, oh my, my you know 14 by 14 foot room, if I have a half a foot on all the walls, is now much smaller. So um, the, oh. <laughs> the kitty's, kitty's uh, Alex oh, that's so nice. She's the, climbing the up. The kitty's on okay. Alex's uh, shoulders well, now, just uh, having a good time. This is okay, Alex. This'll, this is good for views. Yep. It's good. It's good video content <laughs> if you guys want to watch it. Um, there we go. He's petting. He takes good care of his kitty, apparently. So. Yes, yes, I do. She's uh can can be needy during the day. Um, but uh, yeah, so so you can see how more audio uh, treatment equals more money and less space. So if you really want to make the best of the best, you'll design the space around mm. the application, which most of us don't have the luxury of doing because we're 
in a fixed space, like a house or sure. an office. And some of us can't like get rid of all the noisy things, like the two computers over here and the and whatnot. Well, it's it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, Alice, that you say that because I mean, looks like you have a really nice, you know, like window table. It looks like you have really, really beautiful space there. Right? You've got one of the nicest garages I've ever ever seen. Actually, can you can you comment <laughs> on that? Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. I um I built this place uh a, a while ago, and you know, uh one of the biggest things I wanted to do was have just a nice natural light, you know, space for the garage, and um. What that entailed was actually, you know, from scratch. Oh, <laughs> from scratch. Yeah, it looks green now. Um, yeah. So this is what this is where I am. Uh, I'm in my garage. You can see the garage doors right here and here, um, and my top-down camera right here. But uh, what I've done is I've taken a green screen and digitally changed my okay. background. And so that's why it looked so nice and inviting. But this is this is real life, right? This is the 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 Instagram filter taken <laughs> off, yeah, right here. So how how does that uh, work exactly? Yeah. yeah so I um, have a camera right up here, and that camera is feeding into what's called a capture card, and that basically takes um, HDMI digital video and turns it into a USB format that your computer can read. And most people that have a basic streaming setup would be familiar with that. Then we're running it into a program to alter the video or change it in some way. And the best um, live uh, software money can buy for free is um, OBS Studio. It's open source. Um, and it's called Open Broadcast Studio. And what it allows you to do is take an audio and video, mix it, change it, and then put it out live. And that's the big difference, right? There's tons of stuff that can edit video and do cool things, but how do you do that live? So what you're seeing is what I'm saying without me having to, you know, add an effect and do all this stuff. So, um, so that's what the, the software does. And basically what I have is, is two things going on back here. The first thing is called an image mask. As you can see, my green screen is not uh, as wide as my arms here, right? So how did I have the office outside of the green screen? Well, to do that, what I did was... I turned on what's called an image mask. And all an image mask is, is it's saying... Oh, you even oh, drew a little box over where me, your uh, top-down camera is in the way there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let, let me turn this off so it, it's more apparent. There we go. Um, so all, all this is, is it's a black and white image. And you can just take a screenshot from OBS. Once you have the video coming in, just take a screenshot. And then in, you know... Uh, GIMP, Paint, Photoshop, whatever your uh, image processing uh, program may be. Uh, for those that don't the, that don't know, GIMP is the graphics image. The GNU so image it's not manipulation a, a, program. Exactly. So it's basically the open source version of Photoshop. Um, that uh, allows you to take a so you can take a screenshot of OBS, which is just this green screen. And then all I've done, you can see here, is in Photoshop just drawn black over everything mm -hmm. I don't want to see. 
really simple select tool with the little paint bucket, bam, you've, you've got the black. And then white for what I do want to see. Then in OBS, all I have to do is go to my camera, add a filter. There's a button called Image Mask, and I click this image, and now we have black nice. here. So that's step one. Step two, chroma key. So what a chroma key is, is it takes a light value, uh, in this case green, and says that is the same thing as black, right? And so when it does that, that allows us to then replace the black with anything we want. So to turn the chroma key on, it's a, a simple button in the filters. So I'll turn that on. Hmm. And now you can see both the black and the green are the same at this okay. point. And then the, the last thing is to add a layer behind you. And that is uh, just another layer in OBS. And we can turn that on. And there we have our nice custom natural light awesome. background. Because you see some people on Zoom or, you know, at, at all, I guess. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Zoom, Zoom, et cetera. You know, you'll see sometimes they'll replace the background with something, but it won't look quite right. I mean, yours looks almost perfect. And I guess that's just the fact that you've you've actually gone to the gone to the trouble of putting the green screen behind you and doing the the masking and, and such as you're as you're saying. Is that is that accurate? Absolutely. So what what um okay. Sorry guys, the cat is back. I'm gonna put you down there. Um the the difference between what Zoom is doing and what I'm doing here is that uh Zoom is using machine learning to say, Oh, that's a person cut that out and put an okay. image behind it. The problem is, Jeremy, you can see there's some space here and here. Same on, on uh, Pat and same on you, Jeremy. Zoom can't recognize that that little like the, space here. The space here, in between your, your, mic, your headphones. Okay. Yeah. In there should probably have the image okay. behind it. <laughs> right? And so you'll see wherever their room is here and you'll also see it in their glasses so when you take the glasses off on zoom you would see hey cat um you would see the uh background of their room um through okay. the lenses but right now what you see is right, yeah that's the actual that's background great. chosen and that's because it's green behind here so the computer is saying anything that's green should be this background. So what you end up gaining with a green screen is like a water bottle. If you were to hold it up here, it would actually look like this space would look refracted through a water bottle. Mm. Same with the glasses. You can see they, they look correct. It's those little, you know, last inch things that make the human eye go, something's right. not right there. So that's the, that's the big difference. Yeah, there, very cool. Well, I think we've, we've, um, you know, I've gone over some great stuff with you. I was just thinking maybe we could take a coffee break and we could uh, maybe ask you about your Soda Stream which adapter, which is something a little, little um, I have no experience with, but that'll be interesting to see what, what that's all about. Also got a store in Etsy, I think. Um, you know, some other stuff. I've been working about my fountain on my fountain, which has been quite the adventure. So, you know, we'll come back, maybe talk about some other you know, tangentially related stuff. If, if that sounds good with you guys. It sounds great to me because I would like to drink some coffee, Jeremy. Sounds good. Well, we'll, we'll be back later. 
All right, everybody, welcome uh, welcome to the Coffee Break, where we give a shout out to our top five patrons that support us on Patreon. All right, I'll I'll do the I'll do the count to make sure you don't list too many, Jeremy. Okay, great. So so first of all, positive waves: uh, Stuart Morrow, Christina Curdy, Raptor, Michael Sizer. We got to give Carl a shout out because you know he's he's quite quite the new Patreon. So all of you, we appreciate you you supporting the show. It's really awesome and. Yeah, it's really, really encouraging to us just beyond the money, just to know that people value us enough to, to pledge money. I think that's it great. It really does. I, I yeah. actually feel like somebody cares when when we get a patron. It's exciting. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash the creativity podcast. Is that correct, Pat? You sure can. That is absolutely correct. And uh, even if you don't want to pay us money, because we definitely don't require that you pay us money, we would never do that. You can also uh, like our video on YouTube. You can hit the like button on SoundCloud or, uh-oh, I don't know the name of it, Spotify? Spotify, yeah. You know what? You can listen to us on Spotify now. I've got that hooked up. So Fantastic. We'd be excited if you'd leave a comment on any of these platforms, too. You can let us know if we're doing a good job or a bad job or any kind of a job. We are doing some sort of job. With all that said, we'll go ahead and get you guys back to your regularly scheduled program. Hey guys, welcome back from the coffee break. This is Jeremy and Pat and Alex, of course. I've got my uh, my actually Dr Pepper today. Um, what do you What do you got, Pat? You got I have some water today, Jeremy. I was unprepared. You don't have You don't have coffee from Nicaragua. Not from Nicaragua. Today it would have been from Ethiopia, okay. but it's a very complicated you know... name. It, I have the initials written on the bag. It It looks like E B D B B and B, but that's not what it actually <laughs> says. E B D B. E B D B B and B, that's and Alex. I, I see your that's Alex is unprepared with no no liquid to drink, but that that's that's his choice, I it suppose. Is. Yeah, I, I I just slammed a whole uh, bottle of soda water. So, oh oh you know. oh, where did yeah, you get so, this yeah, soda water? Did it come from a Soda Stream Terra, <laughs> the new Soda Stream fancy Soda Stream machine, recently released? Uh, you know I. I'm not actually sure how recently that one's been released, but I um, uh, this this is something that kind of caught on by surprise. Uh, but uh, basically, what 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 I would do, um, I would say almost a year a half a year and a half ago, is I would go to the Whole Foods market every single week and buy a 12 pack of. People have criticized how I say this. Topo Chico or Topo Chica Chico seltzer water and I would drink it and then I realized that's really expensive <laughs> spending 50 some dollars you know um, uh, plus every month and uh, so I was like how do I do this cheaper and my girlfriend had said way back hey you should get a soda stream you could make it yourself she is smart so very I got intelligent a soda stream. Alex. She, she she is an intelligent lady she keeps me on the straight and narrow and so i i picked up a uh soda stream machine and it didn't uh last very long the canister it lasts for about 60 of what? bottles yeah what what are soda streams first of all know. what i mean what that's a great question so a soda stream is a at-home soda water maker i guess you can say and so it's a machine that you can click a canister of carbon dioxide into you click uh your bottle of water 
you hit the button and it infuses the water with the CO2. And okay. <laughs> hello, Shadow. Uh, and once it does that, you can add flavorings and you can make your own soda. I, Alex, I'm just wondering why the cat never like walks around on the tables behind you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that could be because uh, uh, they are uh, green screen. Oh, and that's a, that's a real yeah, cat, though. Yeah. Yes, this is a real cat. I, I I don't have the cat filter to add fake cats into. Okay. Our, uh, well, when's the snake going to come and join us? I mean, if if you want to introduce people to Dorito, we could make that happen. But uh, um, the snake and the cat have never met, so I don't oh, know. If well, we don't the we don't want to first time you know that, yeah. massacre on our hands or anything. So. Uh, no, no. But um, uh, so the Soda Stream machine um, allows you to make soda water at your home. And there's a couple benefits to that. One is it's cheaper than buying um, bottled soda like Coke and Pepsi and things like that. And the other is it's more environmentally friendly. So uh, you, you're not throwing away a bunch of bottles. Right. <laughs> right. I guess, All right. I guess one thing I was wondering. And, oh, uh, go ahead. Oh, um, and. Yeah, go for well, it. Well, I, I guess one there. thing, you know, with the soda stream machine, I guess one thing I've always thought about is, you know, I drink soda sometimes, you know, like Dr. Pepper or Sprite or et cetera. But really, it's kind of an unhealthy habit. You know, I feel like, you know, you buy a soda stream and there's a certain cost to it. It's like, well, I'm committing to to this, you know, drinking this unhealthy drink a certain amount. You know, I'm, I'm okay with buying, you know, cases of 24 at Costco every whatever but is it soda stream but you're saying that you could actually just make carbonated water with it is that is that what you do or yeah so so i like to drink just basically seltzer water so it's just water and carbon dioxide and there is no um health implications to carbonated water you may you may burp a little bit uh but it's not going to ruin your teeth or do anything like that um what is bad about soda comes down to the uh, acid sugars and um, caffeine preservatives, all the things that are put into soda. Um, that's the reason we love it, right? Sure. Um, actually can be uh, detrimental to your health over the long term. But just carbonated water um, is is just like drinking water. I just find it more interesting. So, so with the soda stream, could I make, you know, let's, let's just say I wanted like half calorie Dr. Pepper. I, I guess I could make that, right? Because I'm not or is that uh maybe I'm just you could absolutely you could absolutely make half calorie Dr Pepper. Um, you would just uh, put half the syrup in it, and uh, you could make that happen. They even sell diet syrups. Okay. So hmm, yeah. Interesting. I typically don't uh, do the syrup route, even though you can buy actual Pepsi syrup and Coca Cola syrup uh, for so, it. So you can you can get actual uh, brand like whatever actual Coke, actual whatever, and actually put it in there. You don't have to use absolutely Doctor Doctor Thunder or whatever the off brand is. Can I go raid right a McDonald's yeah. and take the syrup out of their Pepsi machine and use that? You, you sure could. You, you sure could, Pat. I that, bet there's a black market uh, something for that. that... <laughs> they might, you know, they might not like it, <laughs> but I feel like those people probably don't. You know, if you can make a minimum wage, you know, you give them enough money, maybe they throw you a whatever a bag of soda. That's, uh, that's all. That's all quite. Yeah. I guess that's stealing though, so you should probably shouldn't. 
probably shouldn't do that. Should, probably shouldn't do that. But no. what do you do about um, these CO2 canisters that run dead so fast? Yeah, so the the hardest part for me was I spent this money on the soda stream, and now I'm spending money on replacing these CO2 canisters. And they only last for, they, they say 60 liters. It's more like 40 liters of soda. Um, and that's... Uh, when you when you factor in the replacement cost, it's about fifteen dollars to replace one of these. And if you want to buy a new one, so you have one on hand, it's thirty dollars. So you're talking about a crazy upfront cost. And then if you work out the the cost per liter of soda at fifteen dollars per swap, you come out to about twenty five ish cents per uh, liter, which is kind of the same as going to the store and buying LaCroix or Fake whatever LaCroix. other type of seltzer water. LaCroix. Fake LaCroix. Store brand. Yeah. Um, it's just a store brand of seltzer water, but your cost is basically equivalent. Now, you, you are still saving the environment, but you're not really saving money. So I was thinking, how do I hook up like a bulk home brewing CO2 tank to this that will last me months? Is why not, right? It's just CO2 in, and, and there we go. And it turns out a lot of other people on the internet have done this. So I uh, made a video about it because a lot of other people had made videos, but it was kind of the shaky cell phone <laughs> sort of thing, and, and I did it right here. Um, and when I did that, that video exploded on YouTube. And uh, I think we're almost at 600,000 views on that first one. Wow. Um, and that originally I had a, a, we'll call it non-optimal solution, where you take the big tank and you fill a smaller paintball tank with the CO2, and then you can just put that in mm. your soda maker. Well, it turns out the better way to do it is just to hook the big tank up to the soda maker. So I made another video on that. That uh, started going well. Um, and then SodaStream said, you know what? We're going to change the adapter or the end that fits into the soda stream so that people that want to do this bulk thing can't do it anymore. They have to use our tank. So, so what did so what did you do? So I said, "Okay. I told Pat, him it's impossible." I think there's You can't I did. did. I said this he makes said, this, this is, is going to be way idea, too hard. Alex. I said, "You know what? Um, the new adapter looks looks pretty easy to replicate the old one is is just a, a set of threads and but they're non-standard obviously because they don't want people to do this the new one is just a, a smooth cylinder that kind of gets clicked into place in the machine so i said we'll just make a thing to go around the threads to make them smooth put them in there and you're good oh. that's not going to work so the problem was the two edges that have to fit into the soda stream are actually skinnier in, in width than the threads. You can see the threads actually would come up to about here and not come up to about here. So that, this means that you cannot fit the old SodaStream connection, which is <laughs> this threaded piece, into the new SodaStream. So third time's the charm. And what we did was we got some uh, a, an O-ring assortment pack from Amazon. And we put an O-ring right here. And then we cut out a space for an O-ring on the top. When this gets pressed, you can see the space here, the air travels up, out, and 
allows you to use a uh, bulk CO2 supply with your new SodaStream Terra, or I think Duo is is the other one. Um, and this is the first adapter like this on the market. Not just with your big air tank, though. You can put the old canisters on there also. Mm -hmm. We tested that. So that was a pretty pretty serious engineering challenge. I mean, it's amazing what you can do with, you know, 3D printers and the technology we had today. Kind of kind of like video technology, you know, you couldn't have done I mean, you could have done that 20 years ago, but you'd need a very very good shop obviously. But I mean, yeah. you went through several revisions and and this is now now something that that works and are, are you are you selling this? Yeah, so so I was able to go through a couple revisions and that's where 3D printing is great for rapid prototyping. You know, you try something, it doesn't work try it again it doesn't work and it's that kind of pursuit of gen 5 6 7 to where you're actually getting a, a good uh spot there and then um i am basically just selling the material and my labor time so i'm not um i wouldn't say that i'm uh selling the device itself but the uh the time it takes to print the electricity mm. that goes into that um, time it takes to ship it up and ship it out um, is is kind of what I'm selling there. And if anybody is interested in getting the STL or the digital file for it, um, it is freely available if you just contact me. So you can do that, um, but you can also buy it on an Etsy store. Hmm. So um, that has actually been really successful. Because if you can imagine, a bunch of people want to use bulk CO2. They, they get gifted or they buy the new SodaStream and all these adapters online don't work. So this allows them to translate to that. So how many have you sold, if you don't mind well, me asking? Also, how long have you been selling them for, also? Hmm. I've been selling them for five days, Oh, and I've sold 18 of them. That's pretty good for five days. <laughs> pretty good for five days. So my hope is that sales continue. But uh, there are a couple hurdles that that uh, have have happened. One is ran out of O-rings, okay. <laughs> so I have to find a new source for O-rings. The other one is, uh, you know, I just had to invest in uh, a bunch of shipping envelopes because this is something yeah. else I didn't have. And so I'm sure, Jeremy, this may may be something that that you are seeing in the future yes, of your yes, uh, Kickstarter situation. Alex, I've one, got of, many our, of, those, one many of our uh, interviewees told us about a company called PirateShip.com. And I think oh, Jeremy yeah. I have tried used it before. Them. That's good stuff. That was uh, Kenny, Kenny, right, at Cloudfree? Cloud yeah. Big, big fan of his uh, stuff. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My dog starts barking and then your your cat comes out. So maybe maybe there was <laughs> maybe some... They can, maybe they're friends. Some, uh, maybe they're... Friends or Frenemies. maybe not friends. I don't, I, frenemies. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah. Um, cool. So, so it's on Etsy. You think about listing anywhere else like eBay or Tindy or, I don't know, AliExpress. or. Right now, I can't keep up with the orders as it is. So oh. if I get to a point where it starts to slow down, I think I will absolutely do that. I'm also going to um, write a blog for Butterwhat about the whole process and design and iteration so people can learn more if they if they want to. Um, and then put out the STL for free because I, I think the reality of this is that most people just want soda. And the people who want the soda may be makers, 
but they probably don't have all the stuff to make it happen. Sure. But if somebody is a maker, they have the stuff to make it happen. Who am I to stop them? You know, this is the same journey I went on. So sure. I'd love to offer that up. So, so is PLA, is it food safe? I mean, is that a, a concern with you at all? So PLA is not food safe t- technically because it's porous, right? So, so if water got in there and stayed in there, that could cause an issue. But as a dry piece with CO2 gas going through there, it just gets cold occasionally and then warms back up. But there is the water doesn't come back up through there and sit and, and do things. So I, I would not use PLA for making a plate or a bowl or something as it can't withstand the dishwasher and cleaning it is difficult, but for, um, fittings and stuff like that, that have to do with air and CO2, it's, it's pretty, so, awesome. so that that is you are using PLA with that, not ABS or whatever else. Okay, correct. Okay. Yep. I mean, you know, hopefully that's not a sore subject, but you know, we are a hard, no, no, we are a hard hitting podcast here. So, <laughs> oh yeah, know. oh yeah. You know, I I wouldn't trust it. I mean, ABS is technically food safe, I think, and I would not trust a three D printed. Yeah, I wouldn't make a three D printed spoon because you're never going to get all the crud out of those layer lines. The the real fear with using 3d printed objects for food related stuff is not water water and pla you could drink out of a pla water bottle every day and probably be fine uh but it's with food so think about if food or sugar or things that start life pretty easily in bacteria you you definitely want to stay away from those i think the constant blasting of negative temperatures through the uh, piece may uh <laughs> negate any bacterial growth but i could be wrong i'm i'm not a uh, food science guy i, I wouldn't say okay so. and do, do you find um your youtube youtube whatever the youtube video do you find that's pretty good marketing i mean i guess you don't really know but obviously 18 sales in five days they're coming from from somewhere i'm really impressed with alex's uh views to purchases conversion rate is, is that where you're your purchaser is coming from, what do you think? Or is it somewhere somewhere else? The only thing that's linking to my Etsy shop is YouTube. Well, that's it. there you go. And so the conversion rate on my video is about 10%. So when 10% of people that see the thumbnail, click it. Um, and then Etsy, the sales are 75% from YouTube. And the other 25% are from what Etsy calls off-site ads or ads they target to people that have nothing to do with Etsy. So it's basically promotion they're giving you. Oh, that's nice and of them. So they, they, yeah, so they charge $3 from you oh. if you get a click from that service and you can't opt out of that service. So Oh, well, it's, that's not that nice. Yeah. It's not that nice. No, but a lot of people were mad at Etsy a while back when that, happened but seems like seems like it seems yeah. fine but it seems like something you should be able to opt out of if you <laughs> I agree. But, you yeah know, who am i to this isn't the rip on so, so what's the <laughs> name of your etsy store alex how do we find it uh yeah so i'm launching a website soon but um right now it's just core create c-o-u-r-c-r-e-a-t-e um and that'll be the name of a lot of my stuff going forward if you're interested so do you, 
do you have any update, Jeremy, on how things are going with uh, the Kickstarter stuff? I'm always curious on on how that journey is. Yeah, well, thanks thanks for asking, Alex. I understand you you actually uh, have one of the kits on the way, yeah. or maybe maybe an assembly. I'm not sure which, but um, but yeah. So thanks thanks again for your support. Um, I've got the first 50 boards in, so that's, that's pretty exciting. I've tested them out and got a few more errors than I I hoped for. I think maybe nine of them didn't work. All the lights didn't work on them. Yeah, it seems like a lot, but you know, I went through, I was able to fix two of them, two of them that I tried to fix and they just hadn't soldered them all the way on there. So, you know, I'm gonna try to try to fix that with PCBWay, make sure they can they can get the other ones hopefully hopefully checked in their in their factory before they get sent over and then, you know, at the very least, you know, fix that that error so it doesn't doesn't happen again. So, you know, basically I'll, I'll send out the board only things probably right after Christmas so that, you know, few, fewer of them hopefully will get lost in the mail and and plus the postage rates a little bit lower. So that's, that's a good thing too. Um, I'm still waiting on some parts. I think the keyboards and stuff got, the key switches, some of them got upgraded to upgraded to combined shipping from AliExpress. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but by upgraded, they mean somehow all the packages are going to come together. They're going to send them to you and it's going to take way longer. So I saw something about one of the packages being in Orlando, which is about an hour and a half from where I live. So once, uh, anyway, I'm making some good progress on it, but it's still kind of like, kind of like hurry up and wait at this point which is kind of kind of tough for me. But but I mean, you're right though, Alex. It's kind of like, you know, people kind of tell you how it is, but not tell you, but, you know, kind of give you some idea, but then you do it yourself. It's like, well, I didn't, it's like it is, it's like, it is what they said, but maybe there's some things you didn't believe, like, oh, it is a, it is a whole lot of work getting this all done. And, you know, even, even as an engineer, you think, okay, you know, hate to say it, but you're thinking, well, I'm an engineer. I, I'm the person that's getting all this done. I designed it. I'm, you know, I'm the most, most important person having to do with this product. But then you actually do this and you realize, wow, a lot of this, a lot of this work is marketing it. It's getting the stuff in, you know, the, you know, you just think like, well, I never, I always wonder what purchasing agents did, but really that's a, that, that is a lot of work. Just all the stuff that goes into it. I'd say the engineering is, what what surprised me is that the engineering of it is actually a fairly small fraction of what goes into actually fulfilling something like this, which which was uh, eye opening for me. It may, maybe a humbling experience. I worked in manufacturing before working for myself, and it's interesting because you design it and then you realize that you're kind of designing a process, which is something I'm pretty familiar with. Just I maybe I, I put on Twitter just you know my. Um, my bin set up. I'm like, okay, I got to get all the things here so I can set it all up. You just, I guess there's certain things that you realize from kind of a manufacturing standpoint, that kind of, kind of interesting me actually sitting down and doing it. That's, that'll be another, uh, another challenge. You think me having done it once, I'll have some of the groundwork laid out for when I want to do it. Another Kickstarter project, Pat. You'll already have these bins from the last one, right? Ready to, you'll know what has, not necessarily the same parts, but you'll know you have to put all your parts in bins. You'll know you have to get the mailers from a particular place. You'll know how to do the shipping. You'll know where to source your parts. Right. There'll be, new, I'm sure there'll be new things in every Kickstarter, but 
some percentage of it will be, oh yeah, we've already figured that out in the last three. Well, you know, you know, my Pat, my kind of my fear is that it's like, well, I really think this is a cool project, the, the JC Pro Macro Two that I'm fulfilling now, but it's it's like, no, well, now I have another like, you know, people realize that I can deliver it, you know, which I when I deliver it, which will hopefully be, hopefully I'll get all that done correctly. But then it's like, well, what if this is the only good idea I ever have? <laughs> now I'm just like wasted, <laughs> wasted my Kickstarter. But hopefully I'll have something else. We'll see. See what kind of inspiration strikes. We hope so. so. We hope so. And Alex, what I would say to you is, you don't like doing all this grunt work stuff, the boring administrative assembly, order fulfillment stuff. But what if that part was the part that replaced your day job, and then you mm -hmm. got to do the fun stuff 60% of the time, and you had to do the order fulfillment to pay your salary. What, what, what Pat means is you could, could do the fun the stuff 20% of the time. Maybe. I don't know what percentages it would be. We've gathered from interviewing enough people that that's a tough, that's a difficult and or scary transition to make from working full-time at your job and doing other things part-time to shifting that, dropping the full-time job and going full-time at the yeah. side it's, gig. It's scary. And It's scary yeah. to make the leap, but it's like once you've done it, it's like, wow, I work for myself now. It's, just, it's a weird, weird thing. You just... Oh, I'm my own boss now. You expect some, I don't know, I guess I just expected something. And then, you know, you expect to have to go to work or somebody answer to and all of a sudden, it's just not that way anymore. But, I, but you're right, no, Pat, it is, it is a scary, it's a scary concept. Yeah, and it's different for everybody. It depends on your, on how much your side gig is already, how well it's already performing versus how your day job is performing versus how happy you are in your day job, how happy you are with the side gig. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of variables. It's going to be different for every single, every single person. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think with me, it was, it was, it got to the point where it's like, well, my side gig is almost, almost enough to pay the bills, you know? So I feel like I kind of had a, maybe a very, not a very, but maybe an easy transition, I guess. So where can we find you on the internet, Alex? We, we kind of already talked about that, but we usually put one at the end here where... Maybe, maybe who, I should put this hood on. Who gets, where do we find who first? I don't know. Maybe I should put this hood on just so like it's obvious that uh, we're not like... That it's a different day or something. Well, I wore the same shirt, Jeremy. Chris got me the same shirt out so that I oh, would you did? Uh, have continuity. I think, well... All right, so should we go ahead and so? Yes, we can, Master Yoda. So, Pat, where can we uh, where can we find you if we wanted to find you? Ah, uh, well, you can find me at my website, patshead.com, and you know, there's a lot of words over there. I'm also uh, we have a new YouTube new, it's almost a year old now. We've been recording the Butter What Show over on YouTube for ten months now, maybe, and we've been doing a good job. Our traffic has been going up i don't know i don't know if it's exciting i don't know if our numbers are exciting but i'm excited and i think we're doing a good job that's but good what about you jeremy where can we find you so yeah you can find me at jeremyscook.com. i actually just uh, paid to renew my website so that's that's a good thing and you can also find me on youtube jeremy s cook and then you can find me on twitter at jeremy s cook and if you look up jc pro macro 2 that's my new my new, I guess, uh, I guess like you, who knows how new it is, but it's my, uh, my rotary controller thing. So you, if you want to buy one of these, it's pretty, pretty neat. Just, uh, turn the volume up and down, play pause songs. You can, 
actually program it to do whatever you want just about as far as the computer goes. So, so yeah, this JC Pro Macro 2, that's kind of my my thing that I'm selling these days or not selling, but kickstarted and will be selling soon. So He's about to be selling them, everyone. Yeah, about to be and selling them. And I don't know them. what I do without mine. I've become addicted, Jeremy. I'm glad glad to hear that. Um, and then uh, Alex, Alex is not here because we had some technical difficulties earlier. But Pat, do you know where we can find him? I do know where you can find him. The best place you can find him, well, he's on YouTube, is Alexander Corville. And we can, I'll put that up here somewhere. It'll be in the descriptions. And I mean, if you're just listening, well, you're just going to have to luck out and type that in right. Or you can check the description of the podcast you're listening to. And he also has an Etsy shop called uh, Core Create, C-O-U-R, like his last name, C-O-U-R Create. All Core Create. Word. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, I see some names and I, I always want to pronounce them incor- incorrectly, but that is C-O-U-R Create. Is that? That is correct. Is that right? And it's pronounced Core Create. Core Create. Like, uh, as if it was C-O-R-E. But it's but- not. But it's not. So don't yeah. don't be offensive and mispronounce his name in your head the wrong way, even though you see it spelled C-O-U-R, create. Yeah, well, but, Jeremy, I think you pronounced his name correct, or at least correctly enough earlier, Jeremy. But when it's in core create, it's a very, uh, it's, is it punny? Does this count as being punny? Or is maybe. this? Not funny, but punny. Punny? No. I don't know. But anyway, so we can find Alex at, at core Core Create, C O U R Create dot com? Uh, no. No. No, it's on Etsy. I, on Etsy. I, I, Etsy's horrible. It's Etsy.com slash shop slash Core Create. Okay. So but you'll definitely is, want a link. Is... I bet Google will find it. Okay. So if you look right. up Core Create, C O U R Create, you'll find Alex's shop and you can buy some SodaStream stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unlicensed. Not this licensed by SodaStream. We don't understand. It's not, probably. So anyway, thanks uh thanks for listening. Hope you had a good uh have a good twenty twenty two so far. And this is the Create Invent podcast, regardless of what you heard earlier on the show. Yep. We changed the name. Right. Sorry to see for the confusion. <laughs> see ya. And when I edit this, I'm going to put all these words on the screen at the appropriate times in somewhere. I mean, I don't even know where I'll be. Probably in. You know, you know, I went to the Orlando Maker Fair a couple weeks ago, and somebody said, "Oh, how many Jeremy Cooks are there?" I'm like, like you know, in this world, I was like, I guess just me. Oh, you're not as lucky as me. There's, I, I, one of my uh, alternate doppelgangers is a UFO conspiracy theorist with two books. Hmm. I'm a comedian. I'm some sort of and you were a singer. president too, right? Well, not that maybe. But yeah, I'm really excited. I really I need to buy the UFO books to put on my bookshelf. To it's just too bad his pictures on them. You know, it'd be great if it was. You know, I could make people believe they were mine. That I yeah. Why not? Maybe you could write a UFO book and just see what happens.